What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. Today, we have a few show, a few articles to go over. We're going to cover the China BRICS currency. And the Politico did a write-up on software. And so we're going to be reading through that, covering that a little bit. Pretty interesting that a Bitcoiner, I think he's a Bitcoiner. I mean, he's, he, everybody can have a different opinion on exactly the motivations of Jason Lowry, but I think that he has good intentions. So we'll see uh, how that turns out over the next couple of years. But this is a p- pretty pivotal piece in, in that political article. They do say that it was number one in technology. His book was number one in technology, still number three in technology on Amazon. So that's a very big deal, very successful book launch. And it's telling governments to buy Bitcoin and to mine Bitcoin. So that is, I think, a pretty good influence on the space. Okay, let's share the screen and get into this. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you have big plans for the weekend. Uh, This week was a little bit slower on the news cycle compared to last week, but there are a few things out there we can talk about. What you're seeing on the screen here is BitcoinMarkets.com. You sign up for the free uh, notifications. You get notified every time I drop content as well as get my free weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays. Uh, There's tiers to support my content. That's the main way this show is supported. Okay. Um, this is the website. What else do we have up? Let's take a real quick look at the price. 28,450 right now, green on the day. Really looks like it wants to move higher, but it just can't quite get through this $29 to $30,000 resistance. I'll zoom out once again and show you guys where this resistance is coming from. It is back from uh, the bottom in mid-2021, and then in mid-2022, before Celsius. So after Terra Luna, before Celsius, I was out saying that I thought that big wick, let's see, what week was that? The week, first week of May, second week of May in 2022, I was out saying, hey, this right here, I think the Terra Luna stuff is over, and I think we are bottoming. That didn't work out too well. I didn't see the entire altcoin side of the house collapsing. For years and years, people were saying, oh, altcoins aren't going away. They're going to be around a lot longer than you think, Ansel. You think that they're going to uh, just disappear overnight, yada, yada, yada. Well, I bought into that. I eventually bought into that. So I didn't think that the entire infrastructure of the crypto ecosystem, not Bitcoin, but crypto, would blow up like it did. So I missed that second leg down, starting with Celsius, and of course, then FTX succumbed to all of this. Uh, But we are right back at those levels right now, and I am seeing if we can break through 30,000, when we break through 30,000, we are going higher. I also want to bring attention to the stock market just raging. Let's see what it's doing on the day. That was the week. The daily chart, which I did share in Telegram here this morning, guys. I mean, it just keeps ripping. It keeps accelerating higher. I'm one of the only analysts in Bitcoin. I think Tone Vase is also bullish on the stock market. But most Bitcoiners out there, especially the biggest influencers and 
the loudest people on Twitter, they have been bearish this whole time for the last, well, they've been bearish for many, many years, but really bearish for the last year, I would say. They missed peak of CPI. I got peak CPI. They missed the stock market bottoming out. They thought there was one more leg down on the Bitcoin market. And now they're all raging about the impending doom of the financial system is collapsing right now, guys. But where do we see that on the chart? We don't see that in any charts. One chart we should see this in is yields for you know, U.S. Treasuries. And the 10-year, once again, say it with me, everybody, 3.5%. That's where we have been since December of 2022. That's the happy place for the 10-year. There's been some volatility in there. Yes, this is one of the most volatile periods. Oh, I hit my mic. Sorry about that. Um, one of the most volatile periods for treasury yields in a long time. But if this was an impending doom, we would definitely see this in the charts somewhere. And I cannot find it in the charts. Okay, so that's enough about that. Let's go on to, let's hit this China currency stuff first. So China, Brazil strike deal to ditch the dollar in a time when de-dollarization news are dropping fast and furious. And even Elon Musk is now jumping on the bandwagon, which we first defined a decade ago. Not a day goes by without some modest or not so modest shift toward a world in which the U.S. currency fully weaponized after February of 2022 for the entire world to see and fear is no longer the world's reserve, and today was no exception. According to the Brazilian government, China and Brazil have reached a deal to trade in their own currencies, ditching the U.S. dollar as an intermediary entirely. The deal, Beijing's latest salvo against the almighty greenback, will enable China, the top rival to U.S. economic hegemony, and Brazil, the biggest economy in Latin America, to conduct their massive trade, which amounts to $150 billion a year. Oh, wow, $150 billion. So are they going to split that between the two, you know, 75 for the, the real and 75 for the yuan? Probably not. This is going to be dominated by China, guys. Okay, uh, that wasn't the BRICS currency. I, I guess <laughs> I thought that was just reading this headline. I thought it was going to be about the BRICS currency. But let's go to this tweet from Radar Hits, breaking Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa to create new currency to challenge the U.S. dollar, Russian Deputy Chair of State Duma. And then there's this picture. Uh, you, you guys watching can see it. And Telegram, I did post this a little bit earlier. This picture is all of the, the leaders of the BRICS here. And of course, who's in the middle? Xi, he's in the middle. And who is going to dominate this alliance? Who's going to dominate this currency that they're launching if they launch a new currency? Of course, the Chinese. And look at their capital controls, okay? Yes, there are problems with the U.S. dollar. It's not perfect. Obviously, we have Bitcoin. Much better money, but as a currency, let's just compare fiat currencies or current national currencies. The dollar is much less flawed than the Chinese yuan. They have massive capital controls. They're communist. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of problems. 
And who's going to be in charge of this? The communists. Are they going to let, what's his name, Lula from Brazil or Modi have any say whatsoever in this BRICS currency? No. So how, what are the details here? How are they going to launch this? Is it going to be a brand new currency? Is it going to be like an SDR type IMF currency with a basket of goods? Anyway, this uh, Michael Nicoletos, I just started following him and he's a great follow for if you guys aren't following him, but he says, so a group of countries which do not trust each other, which do not have open capital markets, which would prefer not to hold their FX reserves in any of the other countries' currencies, and for some, rule of law has a vague definition, have quote-unquote agreed to create a new currency to trade with each other. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, it's just crazy to think this. Now, I did talk about this over on FedWatch yesterday, so if you guys don't watch FedWatch, which you probably all do, but um, if you don't, Thursdays, 1230 Eastern is FedWatch with Bitcoin Magazine. We've been getting some big numbers on Rumble, slowly but surely building up on YouTube. So if you guys have the chance to join live, if not, go back and watch the recordings of those. But anyway, we talked about this, these alternative currency ideas that are coming up, how I've been seeing a lot of people saying, why are all these alternative currencies happening right now? Well, they've happened a lot. So Wikipedia, I mean, this isn't an extensive list. I just Googled this and found this list on Wikipedia. But you can see that all of these are currencies that have been proposed just in the last couple decades. I mean, in the 2000s, we have the Amero. Do you remember that? That was going to be Mexico, U.S., and Canada. Caricom, that's a Caribbean state currency that was proposed. You have a Gulf Cooperation Council currency. I guess it's a an, a Latin American currency, S-U-C-R-E. It's a Bolivar alternative. Afro, which is a funny name, and it's a proposed currency for the African Union. The Asian Currency Unit, it was proposed for the ASEAN, plus three, or the East Asia Community. Caribbean Gilder, East African Shilling, the Echo, the Toman, and even like Argentina and Brazil, back in 87, they tried to launch the Gaucho, which is a co-Argentine-Brazilian currency, just like we saw a headline recently for the same thing. Now Brazil is trading with China and Yuan, and we have, they're part of the BRICS who want to form a new currency. So all of these things are not new. They happen all the time. We just notice it right now. Another thing is, this is a great weapon for the headlines. You know, there is a political divide in this country uh, between conservatives and radical leftists. And the conservatives, they care about the currency. They care about this type of stuff. And so if you are threatening them in this way, you drive that wedge even harder into your enemy or your rival if you're China and you're trying to split the political landscape even more in the United States, which is already very split, uh, this is a great way to do it. Also, if you're trying to drive a wedge between Europe and the U.S., you attack the currency and you make the currency look weak, even though it's not. Uh, I saw a tweet this morning, a chart. I think I posted it in Telegram. Let's just go up here and see. 
and it's about the reserves. Yeah, I put it in here. Um, from the Bitcoin layer, and it shows like the percentage of world reserves that are held in different currencies. And of course, the US dollar is dominant and it's not declining. Maybe it declined up until the mid 2000, like 2010 or something, the great financial crisis. Then it went right back up. The yuan, barely visible. The euro is a dead man walking. So that, and it's backed by the United States anyway, as we see in Ukraine. And we see with this NATO stuff, the euro is backed by the United States as well. So that should be considered part of the U.S. dollar reserves, really. I mean, it's upwards of 80%. The U.S. dollar is not in danger of losing its world reserve currency status. And I can say this even as a Bitcoiner, because the dollar has changed and evolved over time. Silver, bimetallic, gold, different gold weighting, and a third with the Bretton Woods system and then since 1971, it changed into something else. The dollar changes constantly. And it doesn't, I mean, it changes with the fundamental nature of the money that's backing it. Like I just said, silver to gold. That's a fundamental change of the money with the same currency over top. So as a Bitcoiner, I can say, well, they're probably going to have to go back to a commodity currency. Could be gold, better choices, Bitcoin. And now with all of this stuff that's coming out with the soft war, people are really starting to pay attention to Bitcoin. And I think that that is a much better possibility in a much shorter time frame than most people think. Okay, let's go to this Politico article. And this is Jason Lowry. It's funny, growing up, I knew a Jason Lowry as well. Um, I worked with him as a teenager. So every time I say his name, I think of that guy. Anyways, okay, Space Force major to Pentagon. Mine, Bitcoin. Maybe Bitcoin isn't really internet money. Maybe it's a weapon for waging a new form of 21st century cyber warfare. That's what one major in the Space Force is arguing in a new MIT master's degree thesis that is causing a minor stir online in the wake of its publication last month. The 400-page tome snagged the top spot on Amazon's listing of best-selling technology books earlier this month and currently sits at number three. There's no sign the Pentagon is acting on the idea, but the thesis offers the latest hint that in a new gener as a new generation enters important American institutions, its members see the Bitcoin network as useful tools instead of gimmicks. Oh, let me share this tab. Sorry, guys. Uh, this is the Politico article, and I'm down here on the third paragraph. And if Jason Lowry's software is any indication, their thinking is getting more creative. The last time DFD brought you a Bitcoin proposal from Cambridge, Massachusetts, was in November when a PhD student in Harvard Economics Department published a paper recommending that central banks stock up on the digital asset. While you might call that proposal avant-garde, it at least fits established ways of thinking about Bitcoin. By comparison, Lowry's thesis is positively galaxy-brained. Okay. Softwar argues that the proof-of-work guessing game that underpins Bitcoin offers a less messy avenue for future power competition than nuclear war or swarms of killer robots. 
The metaphor Lowry employs and uses on the cover image is that of antlers. They may look silly, but they allow two stags to fight each other over territory without inflicting fatal damage. In the case of proof of work, cyber antlers, the victor in each round wins some network tokens and the right to publish the next block of transactions. Because proof of work depends on the ability to harness energy to generate computer guesses, power in the network would be widely distributed throughout physical space to desperate energy sources, disparate energy sources that are difficult to centrally control. In some ways, the role Lowry envisions for proof of work contests is similar to the one played by chess matches and the Olympics during the Cold War a form of competition that falls short of a shooting war. Instead of gaining national prestige, the winner of proof-of-work competitions gains power within a distributed computer network that is being used to assign abstract property rights. The stakes of this contest would be higher if countries followed a related proposal from the thesis to use Bitcoin as a cybersecurity tool. That idea harkens back to the pre-Bitcoin development of proof of work when a 1997 computer scientist Adam Back proposed Hashcash. The idea was to thwart spammers by requiring email senders to solve a guessing problem that required a moderate amount of computer power, like an easier form of Bitcoin mining. To make it prohibitive, prohibitively costly to blast thousands of people with junk mail. Following back, Lowry suggests that software systems can thwart certain kinds of attacks like denial of service attacks, which overwhelm servers by flooding them with incoming requests with Bitcoin. The idea is to design programs that only respond to external signals that are accompanied by sufficiently large transactions recorded on the Bitcoin network. If the network doubled as a cybersecurity system, that would be all the more reasonable reason to compete for a share of control and to prevent adversaries from gaining special influence over it. Lowry, who does not lack for imaginative, imaginative metaphors, also suggests that the Bitcoin network amounts to a cyber equivalent of maritime trade routes, in other words, as a vector for economic exchange, and that there is a military imperative to protect freedom of navigation on the network. All right, now I haven't read this software yet. Um, of course, I've listened to Lowry speak quite a few times, so I know the basic ideas. This is an interesting analogy to maritime trade routes. Uh, the first time I read through this article, I was like, hmm, okay, well, how did initial, you know, like the age of exploration, how did that turn out? How did we humans work our way through the first, say, 100 years of the age of exploration? Uh, and how could we expand that to thinking about Bitcoin and the age of exploration in a Bitcoin world? So very interesting analogy, but uh, let's continue here. The thesis calls for the U.S. to stockpile Bitcoin, cultivate a domestic Bitcoin mining industry, and extend Second Amendment protections to the technology on the theory that it's a weapon of self-defense. The proposal is certainly creative, but is it plausible? Military thinkers entertain all sorts of out-there ideas. Some like splitting the nucleus of an atom, others don't. An Air Force spokesperson confirmed only Lowry's rank and that he was a U.S. Air Force fellow. 
I thought he was Space Force, Air Force fellow at MIT, and that he is stationed at Patrick Space Force Base in Florida. Joan Rubin, executive director of MIT's Systems Design and Management Program, confirmed the thesis was submitted as part of Lowry's graduate studies. Lowry himself did not respond to several interview requests. Beyond the imaginative and technical hurdles to this vision, there are political ones. Even if the Pentagon embraces Lowry's view of the military value of Bitcoin, the U.S. faces countervailing national imperatives to curb carbon emissions and maintain the ability to impose sanctions through the dollar banking systems. Yeah, I mean, that's you're asking the government to give up this exorbitant power that it has over the U.S. dollar system. But I don't think it's going to be an either-or choice. So that is kind of a false dichotomy because by the time the U.S. has to adopt Bitcoin, the old system isn't going to work as well. Just think of how much damage it has done to itself, this uh, dollar system, how much damage has been done to it in just the last year or two. A whole lot. Now go go five years more in the future. How much more damage will the powers that be that are using the dollar system as a weapon, how much damage they will do even more to it? Very simple. In the future, that's a false dichotomy. They're not going to give up the extra power because that power will be gone. The choice will be collapse or Bitcoin. All right, let's continue. On Twitter... Lowry has been outspoken but vague about impending government threats to Bitcoin. And I thought this was cool. I didn't even see this, obviously, but uh, listen to this. Soon, powerful people within the U.S. government will try to assert that supporting Bitcoin is a threat to national security, he said in one recent tweet that appears to have been deleted. Quote, I don't know how else I can be more explicitly clear with the public without getting in trouble, end quote. Pretty crazy. So it seems that anyone who wants the U.S. government to grow a pair of cyber antlers will first need to master other forms of non-lethal resource competition, argumentation, and bureaucratic jockeying. Okay, so very, very cool. Whether you like it or hate it, this is a positive piece in Politico of all places. For Bitcoin. I mean, it's talking about the government stockpiling Bitcoin, the government protecting and implementing a Bitcoin mining strategy to promote Bitcoin mining. I mean, this is a very, very positive piece. So um, thank you for sharing this with me, Reed. You did that this morning on Telegram. That's where I'm going to leave it for today, guys. Thanks for joining me, Ansel Lindner, BitcoinandMarkets.com. And I'll check you on the next one. Bye.